Welcome to the One Within All to another episode of the Interverse Podcast. I'm your host, Chance, coming at you from a freshly sprung Southwest Missouri. And I've been looking forward to this particular mind meld for many weeks, as today's guest is an extraordinarily eclectic generalist who's generating exciting solutions across a huge spectrum of our collective human condition. He's definitely an alpha being with a disciplined warrior's approach to the art of rethinking our society from the bottom up, and we've got a lot of possible topics on the table today. If you don't already know him, Mike Winner is <laughs> about to win you over big time with his enthusiastic and knowledgeable vibe. But as the host of the legendary AlphaCast with Dr. Bear Lando, you've probably already been inspired by Mike quite a few times. So subjects on the table today may include, but are not limited to, nutrition, the products over at the Alpha Vedic store and their strategic biodynamic cultivation practices, the magic of water, cryptocurrency and the newly birthed Quartal Network, general cosmological Q&A, terrain and germ theory clarifications, the online knowledge summit known as the event, and one of the most exciting things Mike has helped create and birth into the world, the Music and Sky Festival in California. But again, this is two podcast hosts getting together to shoot the breeze, so you have no idea what might actually come out of this. Those are just some things that I know that Mike's into. There's so much to dig into, so with this one, I'm like I said, super excited, talking fast because I want to maximize our time. And although I've only hinted at a fraction of the Mike Winter Gnosis Fractal, we got to get this show going so we can give him as much room as possible to blow our minds. You can find his stuff at alphavedic.com. Alpha is spelled A-L-F-A, Vedic, V-E-D-I-C.com. There's so much he's involved with, though. I don't think that I even really scratched the surface. Uh, so thanks for being here, Mike. Let's just get this thing rolling. Welcome to the universe. Oh, man. Thanks, Jan. Such a pleasure to be here with you. I've been loving your podcast and everything you've been up to of late. Really, like one of my favorite shows now to listen to. Uh, your Vibrant and, of course, uh, your late night, um, uh, you know, explorations into art and the esoteric with the Weaving Spiders uh, stream. Man, you guys are really, really pushing the level of, of content. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Hey, I could say the same about you. I mean, for as deep as we go and as hard as we hit the synchromistic gravy trains, you guys have got the health, the cosmology, the health. I mean, health is really like its own cosmology. <laughs> so I don't know where I want to start. But one question that kept popping up into my mind that is a really good place to go to for anybody that's got an awesome and energetic flow state full time is, you know, tell us a little bit about your nutrition and supplementation game. That's an ever-evolving thing, but where are you at right now? What What is your mindset? What is your strategy? Let's get into that. My strategy has gone completely minimalism. I feel like we complicate things so much with the need to have material gratification through supplementation. And I feel like that can get us into hot water. And so... I'm really becoming more and more minimalist in what I'm doing in terms of what I put in my body and understanding that consciousness is more important than the things that we put in us. So having a conscious connection to every little thing I put into through my mouth or on my skin or that I engage with uh, in any aspect of the physical. So, you know, it's funny because Alpha Vedic, what do we sell? We sell products that um, are for your health. Um, now, most of those products we wouldn't call supplements, if any of them, we call them um, 
you know, a lot of them are derived. Being said, yeah, it's a tricky question, right? Because people want the solution. Like, what can I have now? Uh, we've been tra entrained with that ideology through allopathic medicine and through um, the state of the world today, where there's a solution at our fingertips, thanks to, you know, the Google Zons of the world. And um, I think it's important right now for us to simplify and get more minimal with our approach to our health, because really we have an inherent zero point machine of consciousness that we are lucky enough to, uh, you know, come into when we come onto this plane. And we should really embrace the, the power of that by not getting in its way. However, we are dealing with a toxic environment, right? We have what some would call archons or some would call, you know, dark dark energy or what Casey, Edgar Casey would call the sons of Bilal, <laughs> Bilal from the Atlantis days, who are messing with the realm uh, in, for their own nefarious means because they have the inability to create. So because of that, we have, we look up in the sky and we see these weird planes way up there putting stuff that's poison in the sky. We look at our food. Um, it's not even real food for the most part if you go into a grocery store anymore. Um, so we're dealing with a lot of toxicity. So yeah, my main focus is usually detoxing. And I know Chance, you, you've been doing some detox protocols I'd love to hear about as well. Um, so on the daily, I try to stay minimal. Um, I can go over my morning routine if you like. Um, I try to, I'm trying to get up earlier and earlier so that I can catch that, those early sun rays, which are very helpful, healthy. Um, that's actually, it's kind of like the farmer's diet um, without the classical diet in terms of what farmers eat, but in terms of the diet of the early sun. Uh, farmers are extremely healthy and long living because they get that early sun. So to get up early and do some sun gazing, I'm trying to do more and more while I'm doing my yoga and Qigong. Um, and it's really that energetic, um, the movement is my breakfast. So I don't actually eat breakfast. Um, I do, I do do a little tonic in the morning with some Smith river, uh, vortex structured water <laughs> with a little bit of organic lemon, uh, juice that I try to grow here, even though it's kind of hard to grow citrus here. I, I grow, uh, Meyer lemons, which aren't as ideal. So I do purchase organic lemons and then I do our zero point, um, full spectrum, uh, liquids, which are uh, essentially like a liquid shilajit. If you're familiar with that, it's a fulvic humic base of minerals that come from a very pristine location, actually in the United States. Um, and that is just a over thousands of years of natural derived pure mineral source that is, or, you know, done through mother nature. Uh, it's not done in a lab. Um, and, uh, and that is uh, embedded with transitional elements or what, um, tr traditionally are called orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. However, we like to call them transitional elements because we don't buy so much into the particle methodology or scientism that comes with ORM or, or ORMIS. But essentially those are elements that are in a transitional phase that are more, uh, that are less metallic and dense and more um, ceramic almost and vibrating at in a transitional uh, in a transitional mode between the transmutation of the elements so all that means is they're more easily able to um uh, kind of uh, embed into your cellular matrix i guess you could say uh and so yeah that's my breakfast sun movement and pure water uh, with a little bit of lemon juice and a little bit of maple syrup sometimes uh, and some cayenne maybe thrown in. And that gets me going for most of the day. Um, and then I may have a kale shake 
if I'm really doing heavy stuff during the day, working a lot outside uh, or something light during the day. And then I just do a, a meal at night, um, typically a salad and some protein. Uh, so I'm, I guess, classically called a one meal a day guy, which I got from Dr. Berlando. And so for me, I'm trying to reduce sustenance more and more and go more breatharian, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <Awesome>. So. <laughs> Anyways, oh, and I also do like the C60. I know that can be controversial. Um, I did come down with the, um, for the first time in like 20 years, man, and, and that's actually, I was going to be on this podcast a few months ago, and I came down with uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the the Cinco Hay uh, poisoning, the, um, you have some good names for it, you know, some would say they caught the cooties. The but coof. What's that? The coof. Yeah, the coof. Uh, it was weird. It was anomalous. It hit me hard. It happened to me a little before you too. It, yeah, I'm glad we're getting into this. It's actually it feels like um, appropriate that we got to have this conversation after that because it will help us talk about some of the, you know, alternative cosmological <laughs> aspects of our life fractal of our body as a reflection of the universe. And like, you know, it, this idea of germ theory is really something we haven't explored on the show enough compared to maybe some other podcasts out there and what alternative ways of looking at it might entail. You know, what like what comes to mind at this moment is this idea of, you know, a hostile external universe that's just looking to infect you with things to kill you all the time. If we applied that to the life fractal, that also gives us sort of a reason unconsciously or subconsciously to believe in a hostile um Arconic universe, this sort of pop culture Gnostic belief system that, you know, we're in a matrix, that nature is a prison and that our bodies are lower and base and somehow evil and we're being punished by being here. All of this, like really life negating as opposed to life affirming belief system also connects in a way, in a reflective way to the germ theory model as presented by science and to many other models presented by science. So you know, let's get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your it's all scientism. Did it, did it change <laughs> it's all your... scientism, man. Look at the second law of thermodynamics of entropy. They say they try to say that the universe is um, naturally uh, inclined to go into chaos and to destroy itself, which makes no sense to me. Um, and then the first law of thermodynamics, you know, the conservation of energy, um, that would entail that we're in a closed system. And however, they'd like to say we're in an ever expanding infinite system. So it's all nonsense to me. And um, scientism is is what we I call scientism or what traditionally is known as science today is a religion of our time. And it is based on pure materialism, reduction, reductionist materialism. And in, in uh, a major aspect of that, of course, is the germ theory that came out of the late 19th century uh, from, of course, uh, which later became Rockefellerian, uh, Rockefeller medicine. But, uh, and we've detailed this, uh, a lot in, uh, on AlphaCast. We've done, you know, two part series on Bouchamp versus Pasteur. Uh, Louis Pasteur, of course, is, you know, as the father of germ theory, who essentially, um, uh, was extremely jealous, more of a politician in a way, a person, uh, not really a, a real scientist, and was extremely jealous of, Antoine Bouchamp, who was a real scientist, uh, who had developed really fascinating theories and proven them scientifically about the nature of, of our anatomy and microbiology, um, 
and where essentially all of this derives from in terms of the the natural cycles of our inner milieu of bacteria of um, you know what he would call virions um, which aren't viruses, but these are just different aspects of the microbiology within our body. And of course, what he came up with this idea is that there is an inner terrain that is affected by a lot of different aspects. It's not just one singular microorganism coming into us that makes us sick. There is a very complex system within us, just like as above, so below, just as in the terrain of our planet, the terrain of our solar system, et cetera. Um, it, it's all related, but it's all, it's a, it's a very dynamic system and it's relating to our psychology, to our emotions, to our spirituality. Um, and of course that doesn't play into reductionist materialism. So uh, here comes uh, Pasteur to bastardize what he um, developed and explored into the germ theory, which essentially just connected one singular type of micro microbe to a specific symptomology of disease. And of course, that plays in heavily uh, into um, uh, where we are now with um, what I call Rockefeller science or Rockefeller medicine, which is connecting that symptomology to a specific uh, petrochemically derived medicine to fix it. Um, and of course, as you astutely said, that is all connected to this idea of a war uh, against microbes or a war against disease, which is of course the model that they love because they love pushing war. Um, that fits right into entropy, that fits into the materialism, that fits into the negative aspects of of the reality they want us to see versus the love aspect, right? The, the idea we're all holistically connected, we're all one consciousness. Um, it's all about um, uh, infinite closed system uh, uh, of reincarnation and all those wonderful things that we love to talk about. So yeah, the germ theory uh, is an extremely important um, weapon to use their own analogy for uh, battling upon humanity. And it's great because we're seeing it finally unravel in front of our eyes thanks to um, the recent scamdemic, because um, they weren't able to keep all of their narratives were so ridiculously intertwined into nonsense and they, they and just didn't work out until, for pure logic, set, the logical sense, right? That a lot of people started questioning, like why would be, if, if there is a virus that is so contagious, why am I able to get Amazon boxes delivered to my house? You know, I'm not allowed to go shop, but these Amazon boxes are coming to my house in this dirty cardboard that is being uh, stored in these warehouses. Now, are the are these warehouses going through protocols um, to make sure that these this dirty cardboard doesn't have this virus on it? Of course not. Or that Walmarts and, you know, home, uh, you know, Costco's are open, but the small um, mom and pops have to close. I mean, all of this stuff, right, started really forcing people to start logically looking at germ theory in a much new way. And I think it's been a massive win for logic and for humanity, um, thanks to this system getting desperate and trying to push the recent scamdemic so hard. Lots there, lots there. So I have like a observation to maybe connect it back to your minimalist nutrition mentality. Because I've oscillated back and forth into belief of I need this or I don't need it anymore. And so that consciousness component of our physical form being, prob you know, the most important thing, belief is a really powerful tool. So I think that the belief of the external germ, single micro boogeyman could be part of what helps people get sick. Like I do a lot of work with people's energy fields and the bio 
field, if you will, which is a electric plasma sheath around the body. And I think that it could be that some aspect of illness, it, this isn't like, you know, this isn't entirely different than the belief in a, a germ, if you will, except that the germ exists as an idea as opposed to a physical microbe, that I think that some aspect of what makes people ill that's maybe in a sense transmittable is a vibe that people can sort of inject into one another, if that makes sense. Yeah. Couldn't agree um, more. Couldn't agree more. And that's how this whole thing worked out, I believe, is it plays into the um, the psychological or really the the psi uh, effects of, of human consciousness on our anatomy. And um, that is everything. That is everything we're talking about. I mean, look at the uh, derivation of the word germ to germinate, to create. That's literally means to create life. Right. They invert everything. And who did they make the bad guys in the 20th century in two world wars? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Germans. That's a great point, dude. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Um, that's the psyop fantastic. is replete and interconnected, but it took until the internet age and the, you know, the reawakening of the green language or the twilight speak to be able to connect those dots that are actually super obvious now. Wow. Yeah, that is really interesting. So, but to go back to the, your idea of the psychological connection to disease, I mean, that is everything. New Germanic medicine with, uh, with Dr. Hammer uh, went deep into that and proved that through thousands of CAT scans, that literally we are, we are a biocomputer that um, we initially, our higher consciousness fell into. That it was the fall. And we can touch on this a little later going into maybe Edgar Cayce's work um, on Atlantis and in previous and to how we literally incarnated pre-Adam, the pre-Adamite human form um, before, you know, the Garden of Eden even uh, was the fall was not a moral calamity. It was literally um, our ex first experiences into material materiality. Um, from the what I like, I really love the law of one and this idea that we're all singular consciousness that now is experiencing itself through this materiality. And so that that relates to everything this biocomputer does is all relates to our belief system. Our belief system is everything I personally believe. So that's why I, we've explored subjects like breatharianism and 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 even the notion that um, there's great masters that can levitate and can have and we can have all these abilities. And I, I believe we're moving towards that again. We really are the greatest technology. And the system itself, um, in, I don't really, so you mentioned this great pop, this notion of pop culture Gnosticism, right? This idea of the archons or the greys, and it's very popular in ufology and everything. And I think that is really fun. I think that's really fun to go into. And some people go, fun, that's freaking crazy. You say that's fun, that's scary. No, it's fun. It is it's fun, fun if, if you're fun. not easily ruffled or scared, if you don't like worry about boogeyman because you do have that innate knowing that all life force energy is one and all consciousness is one, then whatever arconic thing is out there, if that exists or just is conceptual, it must and has to be a part of what we are in our most supreme innermost being. Exactly. Exactly. This is all just um, higher consciousness exploring material, uh, materiality and different levels of materiality. And so it gets rich. It gets rich in detail. But also, I think we we overcomplicate everything. I really do. I think it's actually pretty simple. Um, and I think the system is derived too. when I say the system, like the system of control, those who have gone so deep into materiality that they've lost their connection 
right? And they've lost their connection to be able to create. They've kind of given away um, their original source connection. Uh, and those ones, um, they can still, I like Billy Gates, Billy uh, Gates of Hell. He could still reconnect, I believe, to the higher source. Like there's no one here that is on this planet, whether you believe in NPCs or not. Um, and that's an interesting topic I'd love to get into as well. The whole notion of um, NPCs and related to the the simulation and all that stuff. But but I believe that we're all we all still have that tether to source, no matter how dark of a path we go. And that's why we reincarnate to and we we can level up or level down. Uh, so there is we like to always myth um, create mythology around what we don't understand. And I think that's fun. I think that allows us to really explore our consciousness and explore this reality, but also we have to be able to step back and understand that is just mythology. That's our innate misunderstanding of our, of this tether to our higher consciousness or this, this reaching for it through uh, creating narrative. And, um, you know, so I think the minimalism concept is really important because it allows us to, have a reframing every morning, for instance, through specific ritual that is minimal to get reconnected to source, like sun gazing, like breath work, simple, simple stuff um, that uh, allows us to retap into who we really are and not get so lost into the minutiae, the complexity that our mind, body, um, you know, machine here likes to create out of its misunderstanding of its own materiality, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All of our problems are self-inflicted and the solutions existed before the problems. Gosh, exactly. Dude, where to go from there? Because I have a lot of thoughts rushing around in my head, but I want to talk about, I guess, this idea of reincarnation, because I had a sort of insight about this yesterday that was big. I was studying into the gene keys in conjunction with the I Ching, because I'm a big I Ching guy. I do that for clients like uh, Oracle readings and Gene Keys is a great way to flesh out a deeper insight to each of the I Ching hexagrams. And I was looking yeah. at the 22nd hexagram, which is often represented as grace or a lotus blooming out of the muddy water. And uh, in this Gene Keys breakdown, they're talking about the possibility that our karma is actually completely wiped clean at the end of each lifetime, that there isn't really um, a consequential reincarnation in the sense of you get punished like you lived a shitty life in a previous life you were a bad guy so now you're going to get made into a peasant or a slave and it wasn't exactly explained this way in the gene keys book but i was like this makes perfect sense because it it's just an eastern version of the very same like heaven or hell punishment or redemption mythology of the messiah matrix that we're all caught up in that we must sacrifice ourselves for the collective because that's what the best guy did. They are ultimate yeah. hero. Let the collective kill him. When I've, like, you know, whenever you put two brain cells together, you realize actually we all need to take care of ourselves instead of sacrificing ourselves to the collective, which is what the collective always pushes us to do, you know, join the Borg, assimilate. Because if we were all really radically healthy and taking care of ourselves, then we could easily help out the few people that weren't making it, you know, as yeah. opposed to everybody being self-sacrificed. <laughs> So that's a lot there, well, but simple, like the planes going down, you put the oxygen on yourself first so you can take care of everybody else, you exactly. know, exactly. Perfect <laughs> metaphor. So with this, well, I have I, some I, issues with that though. And, and 
with the idea. So, so, cause what's the, what's the biggest question that any Christian asks or anyone who is a God, you know, God, God believing person is why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Right. Um, and so I see this all the time as a volunteer firefighter, like tragic tragedy. Uh, recently last summer, there was a, a family and I don't know their history. I don't know who they are. It's, it's uh, from what I've gathered posthumously that they were a decent, wonderful family of, uh, I think it was five or six young kids, three or four young kids and a young couple driving through the redwoods. And the most random thing it reminds me almost of that movie signs by M night Shyamalan, where a redwood tree just randomly fell perfectly and, and like the chances of this happening is you have almost a greater chance to win the lotto or something in the middle of the summer, but no weather, a tree randomly falls and perfectly lands on them and kills them all. And, you know, you, you see that kind of that happen and you're, and it wasn't like they were serial killers or you know, Manson's running on the run or something. And you wonder like, why, 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 if there is a God, and we live in this divine realm, which I believe we do, of connected consciousness. Why does that happen to those folks? And so an obvious explanation for me is that, well, one, first of all, we don't know what they're doing in their life. Right? We don't know what, they've, what their soul contract is, what they signed up for, what their relationships were, are, et cetera. But also, we don't know what they've done in their previous lives and whether this was karmically charged incident for them. So for me, sometimes that that helps me, right? To understand that like we pay, we, we do have specific ramifications in our live stream based upon what we've done in the past live streams. And Edgar Casey does talk about that a lot. And we can go into that a bit because I love Edgar Casey just because on the health side, like he had so many of his readings proven due to the literal uh, benefits. I think he had like 85 or 90% of his health readings, you know, help the patient in some profound way. So to me, that really is a empirically charged or empirically proven evidence for what he was tapping into that Akashic record or higher source or whatever. So anyways, going back to this, it's like what you're talking about, the gene codes that we just reset it, you know, we could be Bill Gates terrorizing the world and then just reset at the end and come back and, and have a go at it again. Um, the no, what we call the no consequences crowd believes in, in some respects, there's no consequences to me. I do get a little charged or a little triggered by that because I personally would like to believe that there is more of a karmic wheel we're on for our ultimate, you know, divine path towards going back to single source. Um, however, who knows? Who knows? I, I am I'm open to any type of theory on this because I'm still just crawling in the dark as well. So, yeah, um, when we talk about afterlife stuff, I mean, who really knows for sure? I, I wouldn't say I subscribe to any particular view, but I've been kicking around the idea, not of a no consequence system, but of a re, an actual like redemption story in the sense that, you know, the hero's journey, any good version of the hero's journey, there has to be a redemption of the darkness in some way, the darkness in the hero or of the, the villain or both like that makes it a good story. And it seems to reflect across all of our lives that we're just looking for those moments of like redeeming ourselves in some way through leveling up our behavior, our perspective, our ability to care about others. So how do we get clear uh, whenever we have some sort of like emotional turmoil or big karmic repetition going on in our life, we get clear by facing the emotion, facing the root of the issue. 
feeling it, you know, the way out is through. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a type of post-life redemption where even a Bill Gates, <laughs> you know, goes through and encounters all the ways he's made other people feel, all the fear he spread through the realm in the form of like, you know, entities coming to his awareness in a rapid fire way where he has a sort of life review. And yeah. you, know, you could consider that to be like a hell and it would last as long as the person would be resistant to going through uh, or the soul or the spirit. But I would rather I would rather conceptualize. And so this is preference, a universe where even a guy like that, when he gets a, a reset, if you will, through having the the because that's the only way to get the the heavier negative karma clear is to face it. Like consciousness is the light that shines right. on the darkness and clears it. So that means you have to become aware of it and you have to feel it. So I think that I don't want to I don't like the idea, basically, that there is a next life karmic retribution for what you did. I'd rather that it kind of all got wrapped up and dealt with in the astral plane, however long that takes in a place where time isn't really the same anyway, because otherwise you're able to use that belief to say that like, you know, you peasants out there deserve your fate. And that doesn't work for me. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I totally see that. In fact, we were going to have, a friend of Dr. Lando on AlphaCast, who I'm um, blanking on his name right now, bummer, um, uh, who was basically a hitman. And uh, he's written a book about this. I think they've even made a movie maybe about it, but um, where he has a near death experience, he does the life review, uh, sees how his actions in that life were so terrible uh, and against, you know, natural, you know, cosmic law, and blah, you know, the moral code and all that. And he actually has a chance to come back. Um, what is his name? And he comes back to tell the story and writes the book on it and everything and has now totally changed his that's ways. It. That's what I'm talking about. He went and, to the astral and got his little redemption moment, yeah. you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I agree that, you know, for me, it's always then, you know, why are uh, there poor starving kids in Africa? And so what the response, if you don't go on the karmic you know, um, the karmic side, the, the response is, well, they chose that they, they chose that, um, specific, uh, existence on this more physical dense plane to have that, you know, to go through that challenge. Yeah. Let's uh, just say like the light aspect of what our soul grows through doesn't get reset or lost or made clear. Just the illusory densities are cleared by the light of consciousness and source when we're in the astral. So a difficult life, we could reframe a difficult life situation as being a more advanced and an older soul coming in to experience something that requires even more compassion to level up even more, as opposed to being punished for their misdeeds prior. I like yeah, that better. I, I, I agree a lot with that. I really do. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. Have you done any astral projection? Oh, you know, a little bit here and there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a trippy plane. I mean, I used to be more into it. I want to get back into it. Again. Mine is more like what you call shamanic journeying, but in that mm-hmm. technique or or style. But yeah, I've I've uh, I've got experiences there. Yeah, I I I, I was fortunate enough to be um, introduced to this stuff when I was very young from my father, who was getting a master's in psychology uh, and um, had some interrelations with some professors who were literally going astral traveling with their students at night. And um, yeah, pretty trippy stuff uh, at UCLA. One of the professors there 
um, would actually do that with the students. And uh, they were having like a little, I guess it was a club, like a sci, uh, parapsychology club. And they were experimenting with stuff from um, Bob, um, the original um, guy, uh, blanking on his name too right now, Bob. It'll come to me in a second. He was like one of the initial early innovators of astral projection in the United States. And they have a whole, um, you know, place you can go and learn his techniques and everything. I've talked about a bunch on AlphaCast, but uh, basically with these techniques, you can initiate astral projection. And uh, this guy, this this professor, even one of his students was in a really gnarly uh, motorcycle accident and was going to lose his ability to uh, walk or at least one of his legs. And uh, the professor went into the hospital room and I guess went astral projected into the body, found where a lot of the damage was, and was able to essentially reconfigure some of the torn tendons and things and, and help him heal so that he could walk again. So these are the types of powers we have and the type of spirit science we need to move towards and what I love talking about. So in terms of under, getting out, even even I got caught in a trap there, Chance, talking about the karmic loop and getting stuck in the materialism of it and forgetting how powerful the astral realm is and the afterlife and everything that can happen there um, versus the lessons we just need to learn here. So, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you on your perspective there. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I do still. And you brought up an interesting idea, the idea of an old soul. And I wonder about that because Casey traditionally said in the 20th century that um, a lot of the chaos and also a lot of the genius that was happening then, if you looked in the 1900s and even the late 1800s, was due to that there was a great majority of the reincarnations were coming from Atlantis. And the Atlantis mindset was very ingrained in, in a lot of duplexity. It's not like, I mean, the Atlantis mindset is very interesting because you had, I guess, two divergent factions. You had the Law of One or the Sons of the Law of One. Uh, who were more tapped into source and the original incarnations of from spirit. And then you had those who were more, quote unquote, fallen towards materiality or the sons of Bilal. I always say the name right. Bilal or Bilal, Bilal, Bal, right, which turns into Bal and, and that whole um, where we are now. They've been balling for a long time. They've been balling. And um, and so. Uh, it's interesting because those have reincarnated in the 20th century and there's the notion of eugenics was really big in Atlantis time. And the uh, a lot of this more, um, uh, you know, nuclear, supposedly nuclear power and all these things that they had during Atlantis time, which I still wonder about personally, if that's even real. But that being said, um, these were, quote unquote, like old souls. But now fast forward to now, I think our generation, I'm a Gen X, I think. Gen X and maybe millennials are the, the last of those Antar, uh, those, you know, Atlantean um, reincarnations. And now we're moving into a new epoch. It's really exciting because I think we're actually having new young souls and I don't know where they're coming from, but there's been some research and stuff done with some friends of mine, uh, like Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan, who's talking about like these, these kids that are coming in now, these children, these are fresh souls that have never incarnated in this realm before. And they're coming here now to bring us into the new epoch. And to me, that's like really crazy, exciting stuff and very interesting. Yeah. Just think about how powerful sprouts are versus letting the whole plant grow in terms of, uh, you know, what they do for you nutritionally. No, oh, totally. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan. You should have her on Interverse, dude. She is a fascinating 
person. She's a classic Chinese, um, you know, a medicine practitioner. But oh, I don't gone, want to talk to her just for that reason alone. Yeah, but she's gone deep. So she did a five day dark room retreat with Jazz Muheen back in uh, early 2000 teens uh, in Thailand. I don't know if you're familiar with Jazz Muheen. She's a pretty well-known international breatharian. Um, but um, in this five day dark um, room uh, um experience where it's just pure pitch black you have no it's a sensory deprivation experience basically she started tripping out when she finally was able to get into it and like day two she got all this crazy energy and couldn't sleep and was just basically having a a, a total uh psychedelic experience and um she had never planned to have kids and that's when she first got her first messages from her future child who was coming to her from space basically she says or the cosmos the cosmos that he was going to um, come to her and she was going to birth him. And he was a new soul of all this group of kids that were coming, these new spirits, these new souls coming to essentially initiate us into the new epoch. This that Steiner, uh, you know, Rudolf Steiner talks about happening right about now. And a lot of these mystics talk about, you know, and we of course have the classic age of Aquarius and all these ideas. So um, very interesting story. And um, I, I'm, I'm wanting to start researching this more or at least engaging with more people talking about this because I kind of see it in my own. I do see it in my own kids. I have a, I have a 10 year old and eight year old boys and they are very unique. They are like this spark of of consciousness that um, is not me at all. They're they it's hard to explain. They're, they are that sprout of new thinking and they don't play in fear like they laugh at war. They think it's stupid and they just play with it and they engage with it. And it's funny, actually, my youngest believes he's a he was a reincarnated soldier. or He was in World War One and he knows where he was shot and he has a scar from it. So he's very much actually super obsessed with World War One and the Civil War, too. But but they are coming. So maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe they are an older soul, but they seem to be different. Um, and so I wonder, how do we have an old soul with that statement, old soul? How do we even have an old soul if we're all from one? And how do, where do these new souls coming from? I don't know. Just really trippy, interesting ideas. Yeah, this entire realm of the afterlife conception is extremely murky. And so I never want to just drop like a an absolute and be like, this is how it is, because who really knows? That's fun to speculate on, and especially with the right person. Or people. And one of the people that you recently got into some afterlife talk with on uh, Alpha Vedic was the David Icke guy. Sorry, loud motorcycle neighbor. Classic. (laughs) I don't know if you could hear that, but barely. Okay, good. Sweet. It wasn't so loud. Didn't even need to mention it. But hey, tell me more about what uh, David Icke had to say on this subject. What maybe jives with what we're seeing, what maybe conflicts, because the last time I checked in with him, he was kind of on the team of like, don't go into the light. Hmm. Reincarnation is a trap, but I don't know if that's really what his messaging was when you guys talked to him. Yeah, David's interesting. And I think he would be the first to agree that there is no objective truth that we can really know in terms of what this reality is. I think it's all consciousness. It's all um, what we want it to be in a way. I, I think he would agree. That's what with I like what, about him. Yeah, I think he would agree with a Baron I say, because we're huge fans of Walter Russell. And Walter Russell was a very interesting, like mystic scientist, um, a luminary from the early 20th century, who most people don't know about, but was like what Nikola Tesla said, supposedly that, you know, you are so ahead of the game that 
it'll take, you know, 500 or 1,000 years for us to catch up to what you're talking about. But basically this idea that we do live in a mental construct, that whole, this whole reality is just a mental construct from the universal one, the universal source. And so it's very, it's very agile, right? It's, it's like you can shape into whatever. So there is no objective truth in a way, but we're not talking about just pure, what, what's the word, syllopism or what's the word where like you just create your own Solipsism. reality? What's that? Solipsism? Uh, uh, it's I like the idea the that you create, you live in your own bubble of reality that's different from your neighbor. You decide what truth is for yourself, regardless of what the outside world or consensus reality presents to you. That would be solipsistic thinking. Yeah, salt. Yes, exactly. And and basically, I think it's it's a it's both. It's like you, of course, are the master of your own reality, but also we're all in this together, right? We all create this 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 realm together. Uh, and it's very plastic. It can be shaped and changed however the group cosmic consciousness wants it to be. So I was, I was, I would think David would agree with that, but, um, and that's this notion that we live in a prison planet. I don't think, I think he understands that we opt in for that because we, um, we choose to imprison ourselves most of the time. If you think about it, that's what illness is. That's what um, a lot of our suffering is, is like we're doing it to ourselves, right? Through moral depravity or through just the decisions we make. We make these decisions in our lives. We give our power away. We, we let them, we let those who are supposedly the experts um, demean us and tell us what reality is. And I had so- a friend, a quick story. I had a friend that had a dream with David Icke in it. And there was a horse next to an electric fence and the fence had been torn down, but the horse was like trained to not go past that spot. And David Icke was saying to my friend of the dream, that, that horse, that's humanity. Our limitations are only our beliefs or whatever. Good one. Good accent. Yeah, it's a good metaphor for it though. That is kind of where we're at. We've been. Yeah, I, I like think that. David's spot on. I, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned it either in the event interview I did with him uh, which was really funny because he went mute for like, we couldn't hear him for like four minutes. We were waving. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was really funny. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, he was very instrumental in my initial awakening in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, the biggest secret kind of blew my mind because I was, you know, I was definitely going into the esoteric back then. And, you know, I'd going to the metaphysical section in Borders books during my lunch breaks and, and reading whatever I could. And a lot of it was like this dark occult stuff. Um, but also some really spiritual new agey stuff, of course, and just the whole gamut. Right. And then his book kind of like popped out of the bookshelf and fell on my foot. I never heard of him. This was in, I think, 2000 around right after I graduated college, I was working at Nordstrom <laughs> selling women's shoes. And, they, you know, I'd, on my half hour lunch break, I'd run to borders to read whatever I could. I was obsessed with this stuff. And um and so that reading that book, I became obsessed with David Icke and the idea of the reptilians and all that, because that was relatively new to me and uh it made a lot of sense so i think david has been a pioneer and he's taken a lot of shots and uh of course in in our scene people are quick to throw the controlled op you know uh title to anybody uh these days and i, I don't definitely don't think that about david yeah i i don't either i i also believe though that he's old school now and he's got his brand and of course he wants to manage that and maintain that and i get that but he's t- he took some big risks coming out, talking about re- reptilians and that whole paradigm, uh, and he stuck to it. And he, you know, he got laughed out on uh, laughed at on public television, and 
Um, you know, Dr. Bear Lando was doing these really interesting freedom sovereignty events in the midnight, mid to late nineties out in the Caribbean. And they had David speaking at those way back then, along with like Ron Paul and, and G uh, Edward Griffin and people like that. So he's been in the game a long time. Um, and I really respect him, but I do, I do think he's human and he's always, you know, he's figuring stuff out too, as we go. And I would say in the afterlife, this idea of a prison planet, we imprison ourselves. Um, this idea that the moon is somehow this um, artificial construct that traps us into an incarnation recycling on a prison planet. I personally think that's just a narrative that a mythology that we create to, um, you know, to basically provide substance to our own imprisonment or, you know, um, in part an excuse of the for our lack of success, <laughs> for yeah. our fear of our own success, the fear of what it would look like to be responsible on a much wider and vaster level for this life fractal, you know, cause when we realize it's all consciousness and we, that is a big scary leap of conception to go from, I'm only just this one little person in the world that's happening to me. And I have no real say over it to, to learning that, wow, everything within me is also reflected outside of me. And thus I could actually completely steer and drive the direction the world goes based on my belief and my choices. That's too much power. That's too much responsibility. I, I, I need everything to actually be back the other way where I'm being controlled because otherwise, what if I screw up? You know, what if I take the world into a bad direction? It's, it's subconsciously a, a big fear of our own power. Yeah. Moving out of victim consciousness, I think, is the most important thing that people should be focused on right now. I really do. And doing the shadow work and stuff like that, because that is where we fall short on, on all aspects of our lives, including like prosperity. Right. Including like our ability to have whatever we want in our lives. We're, we've been entrained to that selfish or that um, that that's not fair to those who don't have the, the, the slack consciousness that's been ingrained, especially in the millennial generations and in the pop culture, right. With, um, with socialization of, of things and statism. So uh, it's all victim consciousness and um, I, yeah, it's doing the inner work, you know, it's, it's all that is extremely important, but also going back to um, this idea that we're in a prison planet um uh, yeah, that that plays perfectly into the whole psi uh, notion that um, we have no control over things when, you know, sci there's been hard science that's shown opposite of that. Dean Radin, if you're familiar with him, with the IONS, the Institute of, of Noetic Sciences, they've literally done psi experiments for decades now showing that our mind can control and shape materiality and even the past which is trippy. We just did a really interesting show on, on how our minds affect the past and really what this reality is in terms of the past. Um, and it, it gets quite profound when we start to realize that even time is, is related to our consciousness and, and who we are. And you're right. There's like an extremely one, um, I guess for me, uplifting notion of, of that I, it's all on me, but I think for a lot of people that haven't done the work that are just waking up to this, that can be, very terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Like I think maybe with the time and the past deal that what we are looking for is what we find. Uh, my dad's a professional treasure hunter and he wow. finds things that way. Like intuitively he thinks maybe he'll find some civil war relics in this place that wasn't necessarily on the history books in terms of troop movements or encampments. And 
he'll find stuff where he believes he's going to find it. And that's a small anecdotal example, but I really think maybe the idea of healing our ancestral timelines that is constantly bandied about with energy healers and that type of thing could very well be healing our perspective on who we think our ancestors are. And part, and really the only world, the only warfare that exists in the world is worldview warfare because that's what allows the world to be shaped into the semblance of a prison planet, the semblance of external controllers or parasites or middlemen having power over us. And so believing our ancestors were savage and they lived in the dark ages and everything was war and death and pestilence and famine. And it's their fault because they were so uninvolved and evil or stupid. That affects who we think we are majorly. There's a feedback loop between past, present, and future, but the only one that actually exists is present. The past is just as in flux as the future in some ways. Our ancestors are in the future (laughs) in a weird, in a weird paradoxical sense. If we collapse that, uh, and really balance the middle as the middle point between these poles of past and future. But oh wow, I love that. We are our ancestors are a projection of who we're going to be in the future in a weird way. And I've been talking about this exactly. Redact- that makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah, this redactive editing of of, of quote unquote history is real, and um, we talk about it. Uh, you know, in terms of the uh, what's it called effect. Um, I'm having a big brain fart Mandela. there. Yeah, Mandela or Mandala, right? Mandela, Mandala, very similar right there. Very interesting. It is all fractal. But yeah, we are really, we are essentially editing our reality, past, present, and future, and every nanosecond, uh, collectively and individually. And uh, that all relates back to the mind construct of what this reality is. And so, yeah, that's really interesting that who we project us to be also changes the past. And that can explain a lot with this whole theory of Tartaria, the mud floods, all this stuff, which I don't totally buy a lot. Why of. That's evolving so fast but, and so much is happening so quickly. Yeah. Area of research. It's it's wild. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy on. And also, I think because of the Internet, I've been talking about this a lot because really for me, time is time is memory. Like especially because we live in it's a huge this is a human consciousness experience realm. Right. Like that's how we relate to it. That's, you know, just to simplify things. So how do we relate to history? It's what we remember, what has been written down. But most history is, you know, we know is written by the winners, by their memory of it or or at least their (laughs) their editing of it. And so but I also believe that if what we choose to, to remember, what our memories will be, will start to shape that, as you're mentioning with what your dad was is doing, which is really interesting. So, yeah. Um. These are really I I love these topics because I think it really opens up um, once again to the power of that. We are the divine creators of our reality. And it's really where we put our attention is what matters most. So we need to be really conscious of where we put our attention, because with every thought that is an initiation of an electrical stimulus of into this reality. And so when you and I right now are collecting these thoughts together and creating this show, we are literally creating reality right now. I mean, it's very obvious, right? But what what can that what what does that really mean for us? And where how can we harness that to our benefit? I think I think that's why I get really excited about where we're going because 
not only the Dean Radins and the more academic people who are understanding this, that we redactively change reality or that we have precognition and all these things and that the, the parent parapsychology, um, you know, research. But beyond that, what we're just doing on these podcasts and because of the Internet with the Tartaria research, for instance, or Flat Earth and all this stuff is that we because we're more connected now, thanks to the Internet. I believe that's the early stages of us psychically getting reconnected and then being able to essentially do what I think they were doing in the second epoch or first epoch of Atlantis, where they were using these mind technologies to shape the realm and not physical technologies. And that's why, um, I, one, I think we don't see a lot of the remnants of their technology because I don't think we understand what their technology was. But two, also, I think they were acting on whole different planes of existence that weren't even in this physical realm. And I think that's where we're headed to. And there may be this idea that those who are super aligned with the physical materialism will continue in this materialistic realm that could turn into some kind of hellscape for a while that they choose to go in. And those who are moving forward and choosing through by, um, you know, opting in, uh, right? Because we do have the ability to do that. Everything's based on what we decide. Um, uh, we are moving towards a more etheric reality um, and away from what uh, Steiner would call the eighth sphere, <laughs> which is the AI driven metaverse that seems to be um, very trendy right now from the scientism side. So, yeah, very exciting times. And for me personally, um, something I'm very passionate about is um, economics and value systems and, you know, what some would I don't like to say the crypto word because that seems to really um, trigger people. And for me personally, I think mainstream, quote unquote, crypto has been completely taken over. Um, but but that doesn't mean that there's not some some very interesting things that can be done with reimagining how we base value around what money is or how we relate to exchanging value. And that's really just exchanging energy. And there's some really exciting things that I've been working on and that friends of mine have been working on that I think will really move us, help us move towards that more etheric reality where I see us moving to. Beautiful, man. Yeah, you're talking about your Cordal project, which I'd hope to maybe get into more in the first hour. But I want to let people know that you appeared on the Higher Side Chats back in October when it was a newer launch and gave a really great breakdown in the first hour about that you know, dirty word crypto, but that <laughs> well, that was the first time Greg had anyone come on to really talk about it because so many people in our, you know, quote unquote, truther realm or whatever, um, you know, see so many issues with it as a controlled thing, like Catherine Austin Fitz talks about and such, but Cordal and what we're doing, I think is very different and unique because it is so decentralized. It doesn't play in any of the traditional um, fiat based centralized exchange realm and all that stuff. But yeah, go listen to that one. Um, I've also done some pretty good interviews with like Sayer G from Green Med Info, who's been a big backer of Cordal. And um, I do want to do more like metaphysical breakdowns of what cryptocurrency blockchain technology is, because I think it is connecting us to the Akashic in an interesting way. Well, that's great. That actually feeds right into some of the Akashic concepts I want to talk about in the second hour. And in the last five minutes, not of the first hour, you know, no rush. You don't have to necessarily try to compact it all into five minutes if we go a little over. No big deal. But let's tell people where they can find the stuff you're doing, sure. some of the things coming up this year that they could get involved in in the real world, not on screens. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll touch on music and sky right here, but I have so much more I want to talk about with that. Cause I'm so interested in, in yeah. going. And that's huge to my personal backstory, the music, like transformational arts festival. So yeah. tell them all the things that you can about how to get in touch with what you're doing and, and stay abreast and be connected and do the stuff. Yeah. So I've actually um, been really excited about, as you said, working in the real world and not so much on the screen. So I've been doing less and less podcasts and just really focusing on on community. Uh, so I've, we've got it a wonderful with Alphavedic, alphavedic.com. Um, we are actually about to launch our fully private membership uh, that's all done in the private We've through trusts and this whole really um, amazing lawful setup um, that you'll be able to join. And then with that we have meetups and um uh you know workshops on the farm and stuff so alphavedic.com and of course alphacast is the podcast i do with that um i'm also with cordal cordal.org q-o-r-t-a-l.org we're rebuilding the internet <laughs> that's a big big claim so check that out um and that's all about digital sovereignty but we also relate that to the physical because on there we have like a decentralized telegram decentralized groups people are meeting in the real world based off of what their interactions are on cordal um, and of course the currency and, and we're, we're working with, um, with other folks like Jim Gale, who's the food forest guy. I don't know if you've had Jim on the show, but oh, yeah, uh, he was so inspirational, man. Okay. So he's developing a new coin called Topia that'll be interfacing with, with Cordal that is all food based backed, uh, stable coin based on the, the yields out of the food forests, stuff like that. Um, developing that with him, um, still developing Karma Ship, which we can talk about in the second hour, which is an experience based crypto. It's all based on, um, exchange of experience, which gets really trippy. Um, and then of course, Music and Sky is a, is a health and freedom sovereignty festival. Uh, it's an art festival. It was grounded as like burners who who weren't into the neoliberalism leftist ideology that, that took over Burning Man and also people who are never been to Burning Man that were just looking for an outlet during the pandemic to meet up. So we've done two years of it or our third will be fall equinox. We do. We just announced a, um, a, a smaller event Memorial Day weekend. Uh, east of Ojai, uh, California, in this beautiful location. That'll be a three-day retreat uh, as a fundraiser for the larger festival. The festival is extremely family-friendly. It's very cutting edge in terms of what we do there, um, from survival workshops to ice ice baths is like a major focus. It's like our central kind of theme. Everybody gets in the ice bath pretty much. Um, uh, and so it's all about, you know, facing our, our, our shadow, but also and healing, but also like really cutting edge workshops, talks. Uh, we have a 24 hour art, uh, art, um, gallery in the middle of it. Um, that is a huge focus. We believe, um, art and, and culture and entertainment needs to be grounded in sovereignty because that's how movements form. It's formed through the art and through, um, you know, those aspects. If you look at the sixties, right. Even a lot of that is controlled by Tavistock and stuff. It's the art, it's the music, it's the fashion, it's the culture ingrained with the ideology that really drives the, the movement. So that's what music and sky is all about. And it really is family. We're, we're trying to make it like the Disneyland. I hate that analogy, but like super family focused festival. We don't have an alcohol. So the anti-Disneyland. Anti-Disneyland. <laughs> like you bring the family. It's all curated. It's an experience experience that is unlike any other festival. I've been to I've been to them all. I've DJed at them. You know, like the Lucidities, Lightning in a Bottle. I was at the original Lightning in a Bottle. That was because I lived in Santa Barbara. 
Um, and of course, all the offshoot based festivals and all those things. Um, this is this is different. We have bands, we have DJs, we have all that stuff. But it's like it's all like my set at last year at Music and Sky in Port July was just a freedom uplifting house music set that was badass. It was all freedom derived songs and like everything's curated. So um, I hope you guys can check out musicandsky.com. It is probably the thing I'm most passionate about um, because I come from 20 years DJing and events, which we can talk about in the second hour. My favorite thing to do in the world chance is DJing, playing to a dance floor. It is the thing I get off on the most. And, um, and of course, working in the garden. My favorite thing is being on that dance floor. So I get it. <laughs> Yeah, man, like I'm 20 years DJing, dude, in the underground, more than that now with all the greats. So, um, you know, I'm a house, more of a house music guy, but I could go everywhere. I love like a lot of global beats, keeping it live, dropping in like the police and stuff, you know, like keeping it very unique and different and got really into ecstatic dance of, of late and doing those kind of sets. So um, that is what drives a lot of my passion with doing events is um, having that experience on the dance floor where you and now it's great. We have kids on the dance floor with their parents. And then we've got like burner types all dressed up. And then we've got people that have never been to an event like this that are like from the anarchy, you know, side of things. And we all come together based around one ideal, which is just independent freedom of thought, free thinkers. This is where free thinkers come to express themselves, which was what Burning Man was supposed to be. Well, that's what it was advertised as and get into the history of how it was created. You go, Oh, there's uh, yes. definitely some secret society involvement here, but, exactly. but <laughs> a lot of the people that would go to that, to the burns had a, a different idea of what they thought that they were partaking in and what their intentions for it was. So it's not like it was all darkness it was obviously yeah. it's a spectrum, but what you guys are creating is what the world needs most. And we need more events like that. It's something I aspire to do in my future when the resources and time and experience line up well for me and the connections, most importantly, the serendipitous connections to other mm. people who can make it happen. And I don't think it's far off, but okay. You're so gonna before be we You're go gonna be at the next one, I'm going to make it happen. Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to be there earlier this talk, but now I'm like, no, I've decided it is my full belief and knowing that I will be there. So looking forward to that so much. I, I, one of the great things about those events, I'm kind of rambling now, but is like the anticipation of something like that in your near future can like pull you through all kinds of muck that you need to deal with because you've always got that like excitement building up. Dude, you're mind. giving me that excitement right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay. Before we go for the uh, the first hour, can you just like maybe give people um, off the top of your head? First one that comes to mind, a great episode of alpha cast to check out after this. Mm, I would go check out the Kelly Brogan one we just did with uh, Kelly Brogan, MD, if you're familiar with her. She goes deep into personal responsibility and victim consciousness, and it is so inspiring. I think it's one of the most important talks right now to really listen to because this idea of us even being a savior of others plays right into victim consciousness. So it goes into like what sovereignty is and what it really means to be a sovereign you know, soul. Um, and she just breaks it down in a brilliant way. Uh, I, I was, I'm just blown away by her. She's become a dear friend of mine and she'll be at music and sky cause she loves to dance. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, people check out alpha Vedic.com for all the things. There's so much there that we couldn't have even possibly touched on in the first hour. We'll see everyone else that's subscribing on the Patreon or Rockfin on the other side for continuation of this chat with Mike Winner. 
where we're definitely going to talk more about the magic of festivals and music and sky. We're going to get into this idea of the Akashic and privacy and technology and crypto and our spiritual capacities that are reflected by these technologies. There's so much to do. So we'll see you guys on the other side. Mike, thanks for joining me today. It's been an honor, my friend. Amazing. And I know Dr. Bear is going to come on too. I'm, I'm telling you, he's got to go on. You got to go on in reverse. So he is, uh, we'll line him up because he will blow minds. Oh, I cannot wait. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. What an awesome conversation. I've been wanting to talk to Mike for ages. We did have him on a vibrant for a brief time. And, you know, we shoot things to each other online here and there. But the full two hour chat was everything I hoped for and more. Definitely unlocked some things for future conversation topics and future guest directions. Checked a few subjects off the list that I wanted to at least broach and explore on Interverse at some point, which we probably need to go into deeper. But first, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. I got to let everybody know what was in the plus extension. If you're listening to this show and uh, don't have access to the extended content, well, it's really easy to get patreon.com slash interverse or rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash interverse. Check the links in the show notes for a link directly to the extended version of this episode on either of those platforms. Because if you support me with a mere five bucks a month on Patreon or join the Rockfin Network to get access to all the creator's premium content there, you will be able to tap into the second hour of this conversation and every other extended conversation I do here. So it's worth it. You support me, help me help you. And I really appreciate you guys that are already doing it. Shout out to Augie, who just joined the $12 tier on Patreon for a year. Much appreciated there, brother, if you're hearing this. Thank you so much. So if you do tap into hour two for this chat with Mike Winner of Alpha Vedic, you're going to hear more about the how and why of the Music and Sky Festival, 90s rave culture and following synchronicity, slowing technology down and embracing our spiritual capacities to communicate and more, the consciousness lessons from cannabis, sometimes some hard lessons too, <laughs> and uh, Mike's Cordal Project and consciousness enhancing currency technology, the uh, possibility of the illusion of privacy and true sovereignty, how those two things interplay. And of course, I had to go here because we haven't talked about it before. And I know it's 
potentially rough, or maybe you're way ahead of me and you're already doing it. I don't know. But we did talk about Shavambu, which is the name for urine therapy, aka drinking urine, which would be a difficult thing to believe it was good for me if all the other aspects of life that I was taught to be good didn't end up being bad and vice versa. <laughs> Seems like whatever they taught you in school, maybe you just need to invert it and flip it upside down for it to be closer to the truth. And urine therapy does seem like possibly one of those things. We also got into ancestors who potentially did not need to eat or maybe even sleep and to upgrading the animal kingdom by healing our consciousness and connection to life. As in, if we evolve and change the way that we interact with life and maybe quit predating, perhaps the animal kingdom would follow suit. Who knows? But we're looking forward to talking to Mike again, maybe doing a a full-on vibrant live stream episode with him about the Cordal Project and the spiritual uh, maybe upsides and possible downsides of crypto as a technological solution to where we're currently at in the world. I'm definitely open to that. I mean, I've talked in the past about bad, crypto bad, and why <laughs> dangerous danger, but it's a nuanced subject. I recognize that. I'm willing to go to a lot of different directions with it. And uh, explore a lot of different possibilities because I don't think technology is going to go away. I don't think it's inherently evil. I think that it all boils down to our spiritual connection, to our ability to be in alignment with the way nature works. But what if the way nature works is also something that is in alignment with the way that we are operating? That's a bigger question. Because we do talk all the time about getting into harmony with nature, following nature's law, natural law, all that. But what if it's a two-way conversation? What if the way that nature expresses itself is also a product or in some way influenced by our level of consciousness and our behavior? I think it's obvious that that is the case because look at how life forms adapt on a, a basic materialistic reductionist evolutionary level to changes in their environment that are caused by humans. So what if there was a big change in the psychic environment? What would happen to the way that animals interact at that point? Are they really all archetypes of aspects of human consciousness or the divine supreme being that are expressing themselves in a way for us to learn that we have whatever those qualities of that archetype are within ourself? And if that's the case, I really do think that we are in a conversation with archetypes at all times and that our perspective on the archetypes and on life changes the archetypes as much as their communication to us changes us. I don't think it's a one-way street. I think it's balanced. It goes both ways. So, and um, man, I could reflect on most of the things that we talked about in this conversation was really interesting to get into the conversation of like uh, reincarnation and karma <laughs> resets. Also appreciate the possibility that maybe on the nutritional level, a minimalist approach is okay if what we're taking in is really good and we've evolved and healed our body and detoxed it enough. Detoxing being the most important thing probably to getting us back into a, a healthier rhythm with life and nature. I wanted to talk more about the event, which was an online summit that they held where they talked to all kinds of creators. We kind of tangentially gotten around it. Also wanted to ask him about besovereign.com. I don't know his involvement with that website, but it appears to be an alternative video hosting platform that I'd really like to get Interverse on. So I'm going to have to ask him about that privately. I'll let you know if I do get on there 
it add yet another place where you can check out the podcast besides the GooTube and the other Gulag owned platforms. I was really happy to finally talk about music festivals with Mike, though. That was a big part of the plus extension. I'm a festy kid by nature. I drew, I, I uh, addressed in my festy best for this conversation, as you can see. It really changed my life and opened me up to the possibilities of living uh, from the passion of our creativity and from our spiritual direction rather than our matrix identity, if all that makes sense. So, uh, other conversations I would have loved to talk about with him. I'm really excited that we'll be able to get Dr. Bear Lando on. Is that, uh, first of all, the idea of holographic blood. I think that he's maybe interviewed some people about that, Mike has. But this is the idea that are in our blood, there are structures, if you will, that are holographic representations of what's going on with our organs and our health overall. That just taking a little microscopic sliver of blood and looking at it for the patterns can help us see what's going on in our body for good or ill. It makes perfect sense. If life is a fractal and our life force energy is circulated and carried in the blood, then we should be able to just look at our blood and find out anything that we needed to know about the health of that particular body that the blood came from. But man, there's also other things that we could have discussed, like the tea of immortality that they sell there. I'm going to get into that more with Bear, I believe, possibly. And I know that Bear Lando also has got great Schauberger level knowledge on water and structured water, which Mike touched on just a little bit. And I really want to go kind of to the basic level, like how do you define structured water and what is its full potential? What is the zero point technology you're talking about with the uh, vitamins and the She Legit type supplement going on? I'm going to have to try out some of their stuff. I'll let you know what I think. I'm out of She Legit right now, so I'd like to try the uh, Alpha Vedic version. The zero point number one full spectrum is what it's listed as on the website, which has got the uh, platinum group transitional elements, fulvic-based delivery system, uh, one-a-day convenience, vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and vital elements, increasing cell hydration, regeneration, and communication. All very amazing. Uh, so that sounds great. I've already used C-Legit to great effect. And if this is a more new and improved version of it, then sign me up. I want to try it out. And another thing I haven't brought up in an outro for a while is uh, the hydrogen. George Wiseman's Brown's gas machine, which we had George on earlier in the year. And I think four or five people from the Interverse community have purchased a Brown's gas machine. And I only know of one of them. So I'd really like to know other people's experience with it, how it went for them. Because we talked about it with Lindsay Sharman on Vibrant last week, just touched on it a little bit. She mentioned how much more she was able to do and how much healthier she felt after doing the Browns gas, inhaling that hydrogenated gas. And it's something I intend to get for myself when I'm able to. And maybe I should make that a priority and do it sooner than later because it seems so helpful. And it makes a lot of sense. Hydrogen is the number one element on the periodic table. But I bring it up just because if you haven't heard that episode with George Wiseman on Interverse, go check it out. Really inspirational story, very much a heart moving, kind of heart wrenching story about the call from the call from the divine that George received that was impossible to ignore to spread the word about this particular brand of healing, this nutritional supplement, if you will, that is hydrogen. It doesn't get more minimal than hydrogen. It's the number one element on the periodic table. 
one proton, one electron, one neutron, if you believe in those sorts of things. So yeah, check out the link in the show notes too, if you are interested in getting an AquaCure machine, because you get a discount if you use my code. This is the very bottom of the list of all the many ways you can support the podcast that's linked in every description of every show. So uh, what else is there? Other ways to support. You can get some great nutritional supplements from Clive DeCarl. Very worthwhile. Even if you're going minimal, vitamin C is never a bad thing to add to your toolkit. In fact, vitamin C and magnesium, if you're doing nothing else, probably those two would be the most important foundational nutritional supplements to make sure you're getting into your body and having healthy levels of. So check out the link to Clive DeCarl's shop. He's got such great stuff. They're really high quality. And we do get a kickback. And by we, I mean me, because I do this show alone, (laughs) other than the different guests each week. But it's all me over here. And I do appreciate your support. You can also get a copy of Spirit World, July's End, the occult audiobook that I narrated for Dylan Sicosio. Very much recommend getting into that. And diving into the synchro syncretism gravy contained within that work. Really good stuff. Uh, And of course, a way to support the show and support yourself is to sign up for Oracle card readings with me. I just did what I thought was a really good one for the group on 315. So if you didn't catch that, maybe go back. We got into the concept of grace. I kind of touched on it in this conversation because the learning from that presentation really rippled and echoed into my day today, and it makes a lot of sense. So there's always more insights with the I Ching with every hexagram. And I'd love to do one-on-one sessions using I Ching and Tarot for you out there. If you would like a little spiritual guidance where you tap in and get some insight from higher self you and higher self me and see what resonates and what helps your life change because of that. And I know that some people have really let me know that there have been big, helpful life changes and shifts from the insights into their own inner world and intuition they can come about from those Oracle card sessions. I believe they're very powerful. I've witnessed a lot of them at this point. Also, you can hit me up for sound healing, aura repair, technician, whatever you want to call it, chakra balancing that I use tuning forks to do. Amazing process there as well. My website has got a page all about it. If you need more information, that'll be linked in the show notes too. But an hour long session can really help you out. You have no idea (laughs) what it could feel like to have your chakras fully balanced and charged up and activated. One of my most recent clients actually hit me up with a message on Telegram the day after the session. And he was like, "Uh, my clarity is higher than ever. I feel like I'm in a meditative state all the time where he said something like his meditation was really good that day. And my spine feels like a didgeridoo is what he said. And I laughed because I was on my way to go catch a musical show with an artist who played a didgeridoo a lot. So I was like, yeah, didgeridoo it, everybody. Get yourself a sound healing session with me. Hit me up, chance at interversepodcast.com. And that artist I mentioned who plays didgeridoo goes by Lucid. I play his music on the show all the time. He's been on Vibrant, been on Interverse longer ago. I saw him over the weekend and he was amazing as always. So I decided why not play one of his newer tracks for the outro here can never really play enough of his tunes. I love him so much. <laughs> so stick around for the outro. I'm playing this song called last March by lucid. If you're watching the video version of the show, you can catch the visualizer, which I haven't made yet, but I bet it's going to be awesome for this episode. Like I do every time. And I think I'm ready to sign out. 
sign off. Get ready for another big vibrant tonight. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. Lots of stuff going on in the interverse world. It's just getting bigger and faster and better all the time. Your support matters a lot to me. Thank you so much. Join our Telegram group if you're not already one of the almost 500 people there. Amazing connections going on every day with geniuses who have all kinds of knowledge, expertise, sharing what they know with each other practically all day, every day. Jump in, get in the mix. Thanks for being here. I love you guys. Definitely check out Alpha Vedic and the Alpha Cast and Mike Winner and Dr. Bear Lando. They are pioneers in the field of the new, the real new and improved human being, as in going back to our, our natural state of, I guess, one oneness, recognition of the oneness of all life force energy without sacrificing our individuality and our sovereignty. Important balance to strike right there. So yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Love y'all. Check out Lucid, linked in the show notes as well. Enjoy it. And I'll catch you on the next one. Strength and love, as Gabriel would say. Bye-bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.